and welcome to Enter the Fold, a Shadow and Bone podcast. I'm Caitlin, your host who has read the books. And I am Mandy Kay, your host who still has only read book one in the series. Yep. I'm so confused. <laughs> uh, before we get into things, Caitlin has a sum up of an unhinged rant that I cut out of our previous episode because I got kind of mean. And then oh. I was like... <laughs> I was like mean throughout the whole episode too. So I was like, eh, let's be less mean. So I just cut it out. Okay. Well, tell everybody what you were ranting about. I kind of went over this in my head earlier, so, but I didn't write it down. So that was smart. So something that I have seen in the online spaces in our little Grishaverse fandom community is a lot of fans and showrunners telling all other fans to stream the show as much as possible in order to get renewed for season three, and most importantly, get approved for the Six of Crows spinoff that they want to do. My dislike of this that I see everywhere is that if, if the show, they shouldn't have to tell us to do that. We should want to do that because the show is so good. I watched season one like four times, at least within a month or two. So like, it's not, it's not the fans fault that maybe they're not watching it as much as they did season one. If things aren't as well, aren't as good here in season two. And it's not the fans' responsibility to make sure there's a season three. Like if they want it, and if you want to stream the show over and over again, I am very happy for you. Please do. I, I want more seasons because I want to continue our podcast. At this point, I don't, from like a character's perspective, I don't know if I trust them with the Six of Crows spinoff. Ooh. More on that next week, I suppose. Okay. Because I hate what they did with some characters in episode six. Okay. I look forward to that conversation. I honestly thought that was this week. In fact, when I got to the end of this episode <laughs> and it went to credits just as everybody was starting their like drug trip, I was like, oh, we're not, we're not going into that here. <laughs> nope. Nope. Not today. I guess when you binge a show, it all smooshes. It really does. That's why I have to rewatch the episode like right before we record. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. I think that that was a lot less. That was a lot more palatable than last week's. So let's get it in. was definitely a lot less unhinged yeah. for sure. Let's get into episode five. Yuye Sesh, Despise Your Heart, written by Christine Strain and directed by Karen Galviola. I did not read that name before I tried to say it. I think you did just fine. Wonderful. Especially considering that you also did Yuyish Sesh. Yuyish Sesh. Like, I've seen, I'm I've like, heard it in the audio Ah, that makes sense. Yeah, I've so only looked helps. at it and I was like, I don't want to say that. Well, you're welcome for just jumping in there. Yeah, it's interesting. So I went back to some of the articles that talked about the episode titles when they came out, especially mm -hmm. since so many of the episode titles kind of seem to be out of left field like the second it was the second episode that came from like book three and both of us were like why why are they bringing things from book three into episode two and right. then you watch the rest of the season and you understand but apparently episodes five and six their titles were always intended to be what they are despise your heart and i have no heart you didn't even you yay sesh and niway sesh yes i read the english okay <laughs> Sorry. Um, this reminds me of last season when I made you read the episode title for Atkazatsia. Yeah. At least, hey, I can say and spell Nichivoya. That's correctly true. Now. That's true. 
I spell it right in my notes every time now. So I, I don't think I do because nobody sees my notes but me. So right. as long as I can read it, who cares? Yeah. So, yeah. So I went back to kind of look at what they had said. And it, basically, they let the writers of the episodes kind of pick what they wanted for their episode titles. Like it was just whatever speaks to your heart, mm-hmm. which is why it does seem kind of random in some places. But five and six, they always knew what they were going to be, um, which is interesting because I would have expected um, Eric Hesserer okay. to mm-hmm. be the one who wrote the teleplay if these two episodes were predetermined like that, but he didn't. I would assume like they're, if they have like a writer's room, you know, where everybody gets together, that they mm-hmm. sort of blocked out what was going to happen in each episode. Yeah. And then yeah. the individual writers went in and wrote them out so that they had an idea you know, of where they were going and what was happening. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. Um, So I found this next part interesting because obviously I have not read the novels yet. Mm-hmm. But in the Grishaverse novels, Yuyasesh and Niwasesh are paired shoe proverbs that encourage someone to do what must be done. And so this is perhaps foreshadowing that the show is going to be heading to some like never before seen things. I think that quote is from before the season dropped because they go to shoe in this episode that that's didn't happen in the books. Mm. Oh, so you know what? I was reading that completely differently than what it actually says. Cause you're right. That does actually say fans can probably assume they're going to shoe. And I was thinking this means they're foreshadowing the fact that they are bringing brand new things into the show i mean into the season so that's totally where i was going with that um because i misread what it says but (laughs) i think it's true because they do according to you i haven't read the books but but um merging books two and three together and then pulling in things from other the other duologies and the other six of crows stuff um, and even putting things in that weren't in the book at all makes you kind of wonder what they're doing. So we are going to a never before seen country in Shadow and Bow. Yeah. I don't even, <sighs> no, I'm wrong. I was going to say, I don't think you ever see Shu in any of the books, but I think you do in Rule of Wolves, maybe. So I'm going to go ahead and ask, because, I mean, we've already started talking about, like last week, we knew, we started talking about the blade, Neshen Yinya whatever it's called. Was that in the books? Like the the sword itself and needing to get it to not, fight the shadow monsters? Not in the main books. It's in The Lives of Saints, which is like a, a book that Lee Bardugo published with all the stories about all the saints. So it's like a in-universe fairy tale book. So like the legend was there. The legend is there, yeah. They didn't go get it for Alina. No. Okay. So they added that in just so they could have a heist for the crows to be yes. involved. And to, like, bring them into the main story. Yeah. Okay. Um, just before we move on, I did pull the quote from the book where we first hear them use the proverb. And I'm okay. going to read it. So, Yuye Sesh, Tolia called after her in Shu. Niwe Sesh, she shouted over her shoulder, and then she was gone. What does that mean? It's something our father taught us, Tolia replied. Yuye Sesh, despise your heart. But that's the direct translation. The real meaning is more like, do what needs to be done. Be cruel if you have to. And then what's the other part? Niwaisesh? I have no heart. And that's Tolia and Alina talking. Interesting. 
That reminds me of Kaz. It does. And it almost feels like you, you I'm, I'm messed up. Yuye Sesh and Yuye Sesh was a precursor to no mourners, no funerals. Because oh. it's, it's like a call and response thing. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. And it is, is that in book two or book three? I think it's book two. I, I pulled it up on Goodreads, so I don't like have the book oh. in front of me. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Okay. Um, we have a title card with crows. The best, the best one with, okay. I have so much to say about this title card. Oh, okay. Hey, I just love it. It's so good. The five crows out there. And then the one crow stuck behind the window for, yeah. Ma- for Matthias. Fabulous. Yeah. Um, so one of the showrunners, we have her last name written here, Frickland, but I don't remember her first name. That's going to bother me. She's actually from here, Vancouver. Okay. And she said on Twitter that one of the crows has a knife for an edge, but also in honor of Canuck the Crow, who is a local crow who uh, wanders around with a knife in his mouth. And he kind of became internet famous a while ago. Oh, interesting. Okay. That, that's a weird local Vancouver thing. But if you yeah. search Canuck the Crow, you will see a crow with a knife. I think I have to do that right now. <laughs> My God, he really just has a knife. He's just chilling. Yep. Just hanging out. Yeah. So that's a local crow celebrity. I don't know. Okay. Um, And then also an artist that I follow on Instagram who's called, I think their username is Marvin the Crow. I'll, I'll have it properly in the show notes. They do a lot of art for, of the crows as crows, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, And they like redrew these, this, this opening card as like in their style of the crows and it's really good and i just think everybody should check it out and check out their art in general they it's great okay that's all do you have anything to add i don't um i i just wanted to point out the crow behind the window and you did so yeah and we immediately pick up with kirigan finding out that bagra got uh them out oh yeah i did not write anything about that everything is destroyed yeah, Kiergan is pissed. Like, he doesn't even talk to Vladim. He just, like, goes and slams the door. Yep. Room yep. for his temper tantrum. Yes. Um, he tries to project to Alina, but is apparently in too much pain, maybe? Or maybe he just decided, fuck her? Or No, he, not yet. That's later. Yeah. No, it, he definitely, he had to stop. And, like, he was wincing. And so I don't know if it was just pain or some other feeling that the Merzost has left him with, but he couldn't, he couldn't do the projection. Yeah. And then crazy Tidemaker comes in and she dares to disagree with Kerrigan's commands. And then the Nichiboya is there and she's just like, right, we'll do it. Yep. Yep. It's like there's levels of serial killers. <laughs> and you- Yeah, that's true. And Kerrigan is the scariest of them all. Yeah, he's definitely obsessed with his Sun Summoner again. I mean, always. Say that again? Always. I I don't think there's been like a time when he hasn't been obsessed with her. Well, except when he thought she was dead. When he fooled himself into believing that she was dead. Oh, that still makes no sense to me. So I pretend it didn't happen. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Then we go to the aftermath of his attack on the spinning Mm -hmm. wheel. Alina's looking for Mal. He's not there. Uh, Tamar cuts off Adric's arm. This was hilarious the first time I was watching it 
um, because I I was watching with my sister and I was out loud saying, oh, that's weird that they've changed what happened to his arm because he totally just lost it in the books and then they cut it off. And I was like, oh, oh, shit. Um, yeah. And then Alina has a panic attack of sorts. Um, yeah, that was weird. Nikolai finds her and kind of calms her down. And she starts talking about how, like, she completely ignores the idea that she thought she just saw Kierigan and it wasn't, and she was getting ready to go postal. But one of the things that she says to Nikolai about Mal is he's always found me. I'm such a passing throwaway comment that just sounded really sweet the first time I watched this. And now I'm like, that's a nice bit of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. My note about Mal here is Mal is missing. What could have happened to him? And then uh-huh. in brackets, spoiler alert, nothing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely nothing when he does show up. I will never get over this. Somebody might say, you're talking about this too much. You're whatever. I, I don't care. It's so bad. It needs to keep being pointed out how bad it is. Okay. And then I think we Um, switched to cats. We do. And last week you asked me if I had figured out what his deal is yet. And my answer was no. And immediately after the scene, my answer was yes. Awesome. So I totally get why he doesn't like to touch people. I don't think I'd like to touch people either after that. They even cut out the worst of it. So. Oh my God. In the book, was it so bad that his hand like went all the way in? No. Do you want me to tell you? No, no, don't tell me. Don't okay. tell me. We will we will get to it in a book at some point. But yeah. Um, and then we quickly move from Kaz's panic after his dream to Jesper and Wylan and Ben. They're so cute. They are so cute. I love the way they snuggle and that Jesper's um, the big spoon. Yeah. And Wylan's the little spoon. Um. Jesper is ready to go out to the world. Let's go have waffles. Nina told me about these. They're wonderful. But Wylan isn't quite ready for them to be public yet. I feel like, didn't they say something about waffles that are on fire? Yes. I want that for me. (laughs) I love waffles and I love fire. There we go. Hmm. I'm sure somebody makes it. Not here, though. That's probably like a Vegas thing, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I'll show, and then it probably doesn't taste good. Yeah. Yeah, Probably. Then they've got, like, a second waffle set up behind it so that they can show you the one on fire, and then they give you the good one. Or you would need some sort of, like, Grisha ability to keep it on fire without charring it. Yeah. Yeah. My dream is dead. (laughs) But Nina's here. Well, Nina, yes, but Zoya is who. Sorry, Zoya's here, and I love Zoya, so. Yep, Zoya and Tolia are here. Yay. And, um... Apparently, they get a blank check from Nikolai, like, name your price to go get this sword. And the only thing I wrote down about this scene is Kaz's response when he agrees is he says, I'd welcome the chance to help your prince spend your country's money. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's such a Kaz thing to say. That was really good. Yes. How much do you think they get from him? I have no idea. Honestly, I'm going to assume, I don't know, maybe like 10 million interesting i don't know i get i only ask i've never even thought about that until like just now when we were talking about it because like they have to get enough to have made it all worth it i suppose Mm -hmm. but they have to get not enough so that they want because at the end in the last season kaz is really excited about a lucrative job yeah yeah so has to be enough to make it worth it but not enough 
that they're good that they're good now right i don't know i also don't think that kaz is ever going to stop chasing money but that's that's a conversation for another time um <laughs> yeah the other important thing about this scene is that kaz says that inej is not an option um which really really offends inej whenever jesper goes to get her and tell her about it i hate that they've given them this like miscommunication drama like obviously i don't but but we get nina saying the quiet part out loud that's here. exactly what i wrote down really she yes. said the quiet part out yes. loud <laughs> it's in all caps <laughs> i didn't all caps mine but i did write down nina saying the quiet part out loud <laughs> fabulous oh, yes it is it's absolutely fabulous and jesper's face he's like oh my god somebody said it i can't believe somebody said it um but then they don't talk about it right yeah, everybody's just like well we move on from that <laughs> yeah um uh, Jesper also has a line here where he says, none of us can confab worth a damn. And I did like that line also. Mm -hmm. Very self-aware. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jesper, I think, is the most self-aware of all of them. Hmm. Really? Yeah. Kaz is continually lying to himself about how okay he is and how he feels about Inej. Inej is constantly lying to herself about how she feels about Kaz. And I don't know if about Wylan to know... I, I just, I don't know Wyland, so. Right. I mean, I guess Nina's really self-aware, but I'm really just talking about our original right. bros. And of those three, Jasper's definitely the most self-aware. I mean, he has his problems too. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's hard for me to separate what I know from them from the book, which is not necessarily true of them in the show, right? Right. So I guess, I guess my thing about that is you're, you are right, but I suppose like in the book's, that's kind of Inej's whole plot, becoming self-aware. Oh, yeah. Okay. So. But well, I just haven't yeah. gotten that character development from her Yeah, yet. yeah, exactly. So it's it's interesting. I'm going to go with I agree with you in the show. Okay. Yay, you agree with me on something. <laughs> I like it. Um, And then we go back to the cave and Bagra and Jenya are here. Do we, we see the conversation between Nadia and Tamar first, right? About Adric? We do. I hate this part. Tamar says something like, if he's half as strong as you, he'll pull through it. And Nadia's like, the thing is, I don't think he is. That's shitty. It's a really shitty thing to That's say. That's the shittiest thing. And also, like, I, I understand what they're uh, saying here. Because in the book, after all this, Adric is very nervous about everything. Like, he's he's just like a nervous person after this. But during these events in the books... He's 14. Oh, shit. Right? And he gets his arm cut off and all this shit. So, yeah, he grows up with some, you know, PTSD. Right. As, like, I'm sure all of them do. And and so he becomes this kind of nervous wreck later on. Mm -hmm. Who, like, I'm not saying he isn't all still, like, brave and able to do things. But he's always just like, oh, it's all going to go bad. You, you know, he's kind of he's kind of like me, I guess. You know, very pessimistic about everything. Yeah. And I understand that that's what they're kind of, that that personality trait of his is what they're implying here. But I mean, come on. That's just a shitty way to put it. Yeah. And that's not what happens to him in this season anyway. Yeah. Like beforehand, he seemed fine. Yeah. Anyways, yes. On to Begra and Jenya. Um, Jenya won't let David see her. She runs away and he's just standing there looking like a lost little puppy. Yeah. He's so good at that lost puppy face oh he is 
And then Bagger calls Nikolai the puppy prince, which now I get that reference after yes. our conversation last yes. week. Um, when Alina hugs Jenya. Yeah. Oh, my heart. Like, I love that moment. That, oh, I love them too. That Alina just lets everything go and recognizes that Jenya is hurt inside and out and she was just trying to survive and she loves her friend yeah it's it's It's, good it is good and then Nikolai comes in and I want to punch him to start with yeah I mean he comes around pretty quickly he does um I totally I get it because all he knows at this point is that this is this is the woman who poisoned my father the king of Ravka so you should stand trial for treason like god I love Alina in this scene because she is not having it and we don't often see her raise her voice, but she did here, and it was nice. I don't, I like how she immediately realized it too, and then kind of reined herself in. Mm-hmm. That was that was a good moment. Yep. As as a complete aside, I also i i i saw the Dungeons and Dragons movie earlier this week, and uh, Daisy Head is in that, and I'm just like happy to see good things for Jenya. You know. Yeah. Sorry, I was thinking. Did I see which character is she from the trailer? Um, is she one of them? The, the main ones? No. Oh, okay. Cool. I will look for her if I ever actually watch that movie. It was fun. Your long pause does oh, not I, No, I was confidence. yawning. I was yawning. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I call out my yawn. Now I have to <laughs> leave it in. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. I love it. Um, And then we go back to Catterdam. Yes. And there's boring, boring, boring stuff happening. Um, but Nina and Tolia are bonding over food. And it's yeah. awesome. I missed it the first time through. I don't know how I missed it, but... I think every time we see Nina in this episode, she's eating. And I do love that. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Not every time, but most every time. Yeah. Or she's saying things to Tolia like, ooh, tell me more about this thing. Yeah. She's either eating or thinking about eating, and I respect that. Yep. But uh, Jesper gets to gets Inej to join them. Mm-hmm. But there's still a lot of discord, I suppose. Just a little. And then we learn an interesting thing about Wylan. This whole thing, this whole miscommunication between them just hurts my heart so badly, but I totally get where Wylan's coming from. Jesper puts his foot in his mouth because Wylan can't read. Mm-hmm. And Jesper didn't realize it. Some very uh, eagle-eyed fans on the internet noticed in the earlier episodes when you see Wyland's like, chemical table, all the bottles are labeled with music notes. I never noticed that. I, that I, awesome. I never noticed it either, but somebody else did. And I just thought that that was a really, really good detail that they put in. Yeah. Front. Yeah. So Wyland runs off and Jesper's just like, I fucked up, but he doesn't know how to fix it. Yeah. And then we cut to Jenya fixing Adric's arm. I Okay, so just to say about this whole Wyland thing, again, I'm just like, I feel like you should try to forget it. The Wyland can't read thing? Yeah. That's not a thing in the book? No, it is. It is, It's okay. just sad that you won't get to have it revealed for you when we do the book. I don't know. Oh, I see. It's so okay. good. Okay. I'll try my best to forget. But it keeps coming up. I'm not being serious. Like, it is what it is. I, I genuinely don't think spoilers ruin a story. If it's a good story. So I guess it just means you'll understand things. Yeah. In a different way when we read Six of Crows. Okay. You're not wrong about spoilers. I just, I like to take the journey myself. And so I don't 
like oh, feeling yeah, yeah, like yeah. someone has has robbed me of that experience. I I understand that. Um, I'm I'm not saying I'm like I get that. I just yeah. uh yeah. Anyways, I'm just saying you'll have a different experience than going into a blind. Okay. So yeah, then we go back to the cave. Jenya is healing Adric's arm. Right, yes. Um which is a they, they have a nice conversation here. Adric asks, "Do you think I'll still be able to summon with only one hand?" And Jenya is like, "It doesn't matter what happens. You're still a Grisha. You're always going to be a Grisha." Mm-hmm. That's nice um, because that means that she's also, even though she hasn't lost her power, she's lost her sense of self. Mm-hmm. And so, for her to give that validation to him means that she's thinking it for herself too. I hope. I hope. Um, David comes, but Jenya runs from him. and runs right into the queen my only note that i wrote down about all of these scenes was i wish the queen had died also oh my god i've thought that so many times but i don't want to say it out loud no i'm trying to think (laughs) if she did in the book i don't think she did um i do appreciate jenya standing up to her though Mm -hmm. like it's Jenya is such an interesting character, right so there are moments where she cowers or hides and other moments where she stands strong and I think she cowers from the people that she respects because of some of the things that she did and she stands strong against There's the that. people she doesn't give a shit about because she doesn't care what they think about her but like alina that's and fair. david she cares what they think about her yeah yeah that's true um but she never hid from alina so like she she stood there and that's true was honest and um spoke her truth which was great um, so yeah, Nikolai stands up to his mother here also. Mm-hmm. And this scene just made me completely fall in love with Nikolai. I mean, I already really loved him, but like this scene kind of took it over the edge for me. That's nice. Um, yeah, he's, how is he not everybody's favorite character? He's most people's favorite okay. from, from the first three books. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Especially book two. What I hear most about book two is, wow, that was boring, but. Nikolai was there. <laughs> okay. All right. So I have that. Let's look forward to soon. I don't know cool. that it's necessarily boring. It's just like a classic book too, you know? Mm, yeah. Lots I, of... like, I like classic book twos. I like the exposition. I like the setting things up for the finale. I guess. We'll see. Not long now. Mm. Um, the way this scene ended was not how I expected it to end, but I actually, in retrospect, really love it. Mm-hmm. Like, he apologizes to Jenya for all that she's endured, and he's being utterly sincere, but of course it comes across as, as patronizing. Oh, I didn't. Um, I didn't get that. And Jenya stands up to him and is like, I don't need your apology. I don't want your apology. But what I do want to know is, are you true to your word? Are you actually going to try to fix Broken Ravka? Or are you as worthless as the line of kings that came before you or something like that? I didn't write it down. Right. Yeah. And then she just turns around and walks off. And I'm like, that is ballsy to say to the king. I mean, but also she's I lost. Love that she did. She's lost she, most everything. So what else has she got to lose? That's true. But it just it makes me love her. I remember how upset I was at her last season. And everything this season has completely overshadowed that. And I just adore her. Yeah. And I hate what she's been through. I agree. I Again, I do hate that they 
I, I genuinely think that Jenny in the book has the best line in the whole series. And in the book, it was in like the equivalent of this scene. So I hate that they cut that. Oh, but will it be spoilery if you tell me what it is? Um, I, I don't know. This is maybe why they cut it. I don't know that it would have the same impact okay. being said out loud because it's kind of weird. But you okay. know how somebody called her ruined in yes. an earlier episode. She has a good quote where it, it starts with, I am not ruined. And then she says something really good after it. Okay. I will look for it when we read it. Yeah. And I, uh, is this where we get... No, I'm, I would have written this down. Or maybe I was just too busy watching. Is this where we get her making up with David? Not yet. That's okay. still a little ways to go. But this is where we get the map back changing scenes because we're going to a new place. I also wrote the map is back. The map is back. We are going to Beijing, which and, is in Chuhan. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. And I think the first thing we learn is that Zoya's family is dead. I didn't write any of that stuff down, but yeah, I think you're right. Nina and Zoya are talking. Oh, because they're all at the altar thing praying. Mm-hmm. So I guess we learned that Tolia and Tamar's parents are dead, but I mean, that wasn't that wasn't news. Right. But at the end of season one, Zoya sort of went to see if her family had survived, but mm-hmm. they did not. They only mentioned her aunt, but in the book, there is another person. Okay. I thought we already knew that from when she talked to Alina. Oh, maybe. So I can't imagine her telling Alina that, though. Not right now, anyways. Mm. Just because just they don't have like a very trusting, friendly relationship right now. Yeah. I don't know. That being said, I, I do like the kind of almost equals relationship that Zoya and Nina have here, but I do miss their relationship from the book because mm. Nina is much younger than Zoya in the book and she really, really looks up to her. And I like oh. that. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, My only note here is that I love how when Tolia walks up and yes. rejoins them, like Jesper's just standing there and he just... Moves his head to the side to avoid getting hit by Tolia's sword staff thing. Yes, it's but very good. not even good. move. Just, just moves his head. And I was like, that is a magnificent attention to detail. I love like the little character thing. It's really good. And I love how it's juxtaposed with when we see Mal try to avoid the sword in the final episode. And he does like a whole body flinch. <laughs> I don't remember that now. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah, that's funny. Um, Wylan is still feeling salty about Jesper sticking his foot in his mouth about him not being able to read. And so he asks Tolia to go explosive shopping with him, Aww. which Jesper tags along anyway. I do want to mention that they have Jesper in a kilt here. It's, I like it. It's a good costume yeah. choice. I think he stays in that for the rest of the season. Yes, I do think their current outfits are their outfits till the end. Okay. And then we get the scene between David and Jenya. Oh, okay. Which, okay. So last week, I just hated David. Did not Mm -hmm. like him. After this scene, love him. I even texted you, okay, I like David now. Yes. I do think they kept his little speech pretty much word for word. So that's, that's, that's nice. Yeah. I also really like it. It's, I don't know, it's just, it's amazing. And I love Jen. He's like, I don't know a lot about a lot of things, but I know about metal. And she's like, what the fuck does that mean? What does metal have to do with anything? And then he launches into this thing about she doesn't need fixing. She's steel. 
it's it's very beautiful. This is the most confident I've ever seen him. Mm-hmm. He's not stuttering. He's not stemming with his hands. He's just standing there looking at her speaking these words. And I think that's one of the ways that you know he means it wholeheartedly. I agree. I love Jenya and David. They're the best. And um, And then he kind of goes back to his less confident way of talking, his mannerisms, and, mm-hmm. you know, asks, how did you find us? Like, I've been going through it, and I can't figure out so far underground. And she says that Bagger amplified her so that she could look for familiar heartbeats. And she she found him. Yeah, that's cute. So nice. And then they kiss. I like the kisses. In case nobody could tell. Mm-hmm. The decibels, your voice went up on the word kiss was very telling. (laughs) It's nice. I especially love it because in this moment too, like Jenya finally lets him look her full on in the face. He touches her face. He caresses Mm -hmm. her. And it's very clear that he just sees her. He doesn't see the damage. Like she is not ruined to him. and. I just, I, I love it. I love it. I love things like that whenever a person is very clearly defined by more than just their looks. Mm-hmm. That has always been something that I find speaks to me. As- and so I think that's probably a little bit why my voice went up about the decibels because when they kiss, it's so important because it's like he sees her for her and not just for her beauty. And it's, it's, it's good. It's good. I also really like that it came after because a lot of the shit that Jenny has been through, we were was only kind of implied in season one, but now everything has been said like act mm-hmm. out loud on the table. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just like that. No, nobody has held her accountable for a lot of the shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, they wanted to, but then Nikolai found out what her father was doing what his father was doing and yeah recognized it was years of assault yeah so jenny is pretty much why i can never understand people who still enjoyed the darkling like other than he's pretty but like actually think that he and alina should uh, wait there are people who actually like ship alina and the darkling yeah yeah it's very popular to be fair their huh. other option is mal but <laughs> that was so mean um from my perspective because i don't know anything else there's a third option now and i like the third option yeah when i first read books two and three i was all in on nikolai and alina like all in well i can't say that actually um no i'm that is what i wanted to have happen but i have different opinions now fair enough uh then we go back to the crows and tolia asked jesper what he did to violin because clearly you did something stupid and then Love he it. says, I didn't do anything stupid. And then he waits like a beat and he's like, I said something stupid. Yeah. It's great. It's great. Um, I love this exchange between Nina and Kaz, too. <laughs> She's like, I wonder what the tea tastes like. And he's like, warm and wet. He is not meant for role playing. <laughs> he's not meant to just be in a conversation with Nina and only Nina. Yeah. It's great for um, us, though. It is great for us. I love it when um, Oval shows up and we find out they're posing as married. 
And she calls, and then she calls waffles. him waffles. <laughs> yeah. I, my favorite thing is that his face is still covered in bruises. So I guess Nina just didn't heal them, even though that probably would have lent some. Like it would have been better in the role play if he hadn't had a face all bruised up. Yeah, I'm guessing he wouldn't let her heal them, though. Maybe. Uh, she might have had to touch his face, so. Oh, yeah. After some coercion, um, he does take off his gloves in this scene mm -hmm. to do the traditional Shuhan custom with the tea, where you dip your finger in the tea and then you do a thing and then you like touch your forehead or whatever. I don't know why he didn't just put his gloves back on immediately when he was done. Like, that's what I would have done if I was him. Because then the writers wouldn't have been able to have him have somebody touch his hand later. Yeah. Um, so this scene does not go as planned. Oval has them completely pegged as thieves and is like, you're just going to have to go steal the, the, the sword from Amrat something temple. I don't remember what it's called. Amrat Jen. Amrat Jen. Um, so she doesn't even cop to the fact that. That she has it. That she has it or that the disciple has it. And Kaz gets up with no gloves. He gets touched. He has a full-on panic attack. Yeah. Um, and he just turns and kind of runs to the crowd and keeps touching people. Um, but Inej gets to him, gives him his gloves. And she's and the one who like, kind of like pushes him into an alley out of the crowd. She drags him out. Yep, yeah. Yeah. She gets him, she gets him over. And he's like, You were supposed to follow her. And she's like, I couldn't leave you. Not like this. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It is kind but, yeah. of where they stop sniping at each other, I guess. Yeah. Or stop being angry at each other. So that's nice. Um, and then we cut back to Alina and Bagra. Um, this is a nice conversation between the two because Bagra pushes her to, mm -hmm. like, I'm trying to think of the word, to, like, she doesn't let Alina lie to herself. Like, Bagra yes. can clearly see there is more going on here. And she forces it out of Alina. And so Alina tells her about the projections that Kerrigan can touch her. And um, it's it's a nice conversation between them that it's finally coming out of her. And it's not just her holding these things. It is good. I, I feel like everybody acts well with Begra. Like they all have really good scenes with her. Yeah. And then Alina decides to start a connection with Kerrigan. Mm -hmm. um, and then very conveniently Mal shows up. Yeah. Or maybe inconveniently, I'm not sure which. I don't understand, because, like, Bagra was there supervising. And she tells him what's happening, and he's just still... Why didn't somebody hold him back or something? Like, I don't understand. Well, I think it's because with her powers going bonkers there, like, they were, the cavern was going to, like, fall in on them. I don't think it was going that bonkers. I thought it was. Maybe I just hate Mal, so I always think he's doing the wrong thing. Fair enough. Uh, worth noting that Mount says that he was kidnapped and then he got out yeah. and now he's back. Yeah, then we get to see her side of the projection and she's pretending that she's finally come to understand Kerrigan so that she can get close to him. And I do not believe that he buys this. Right? Why would like he? It, it comes out of nowhere and she's not that good of an actor. So, I mean, Alina, not Jesse. Yeah. Mainly, but um, like, yeah. You can maybe say that he was fooling himself, but like the last time, like they were just fighting. He tried to kill her, basically, mm -hmm. or at the very least, the Nichi Voya did. 
I, why would she, what has happened? What, what in the world could he possibly be thinking has happened while they've been apart that suddenly she's on his side? Right. And it's only been like a day. Yeah. Maybe two. Like this is dumb that he believes her. Yeah. And her brilliant plan and brilliant is in sarcastic quotes. Yeah. Um, is that she's going to get close to him and trick him into getting close, like kissing her, getting that that close so that she can grab his hand and try to burn the stag, what's left of it, out of his hand to break their connection. Mm-hmm. But Mal manages to pull her out and she is pissed. Yep. Although, honestly, Kierigan, you know, threw her across the room, so... I don't know that if Mal hadn't pulled her out, the outcome would have been any different. Well, I think it's implied that because he was yelling at her, she couldn't concentrate on what she was doing. And that's why he could uh, throw her across the room. Mm. Okay, that's fair. Or just in general, things might have gone differently if he wasn't yelling at her. Yeah. But he was just trying to protect her and everybody else. I mean, I think he only uh, cares about her, but yeah. Well, he does, but yeah. And, and so then they have a fight. Yeah. And it feels very contrived. Yeah, I think my 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 text to you was that we have now taken a, a left turn into crazy town <laughs> because this came out of nowhere. Like last episode, we had the scene of those two together that Vasily saw them, yeah. right? And now all of a sudden, it's only been a few days and mal has come back with the understanding that they're not in lockstep that she's gone ahead without him and he's just here to get the firebird i also like what i don't know he he sort of yells at her that i'm going to the ends of the earth to protect you he hasn't left her side though he's not doing anything he hasn't gone anywhere (laughs) i don't know that like he said if it weren't for her though he would never have left originally right so they've gone so he never went to get the sea whip they he is doing okay. all of these things okay. for be, her. Yes. Okay. I will take that. He he went to get the stag. That was a bit of a journey. He lost his friends there. That's that's fair. I had forgotten about the stag. The sea whip thing, they did that together. He was following her. He didn't like choose to do that for himself. You know what I mean? Right. But he chose to do it for her. I guess. The, the stag thing, though. Absolutely. That was him going above and beyond for her. I, I, I retract... How ridiculous I thought that line was. I was wrong. Okay. <laughs> what what I don't like about, the, I mean, okay, the other thing I don't like, or maybe the thing that stands out the most to me about this fight is um, he asks Alina to what end? And she says, until Ravka is safe or something like that. And then she says, there is nothing else. Like that's the, that's the goal. And he was like, yeah, I just needed to hear you say it because suddenly her goal, which has been her, her goal the entire time, it hasn't changed from last week. Mm-hmm. Like from that last conversation to this conversation, Alina has not wavered. And all of a sudden he is taking that to mean that she is choosing Ravka over him. I also feel like, like they just say the word Ravka, but she really means the people. She's trying to save people. Yeah. And then he's he's real pissed about it. Like, that's an interesting stance to take, that she wants to keep people safe and make sure that the Darkling can't use the fold to take over yeah. the world. And he's pissed about it. Yeah, it's, it is a little weird. So I, 
for me, this whole scene was we've gone to crazy town now and it didn't fit and it doesn't make sense. It still doesn't, even after seeing the whole season, it still doesn't make sense. Like, is this just they're, they're trying to bring some conflict in? Well, we've got plenty of that coming. So what is the point of this scene? I genuinely don't know. They do have some like disagreements in the book, mostly around Nikolai and then around like a, a subplot that they've completely cut out of the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know, man. But I mean, especially in book two, the two of them do argue like a lot. Okay. So maybe they were just trying to get that across and they just threw it all into this one random fight that doesn't make any sense. I guess. If Mal had consistently been talking to her about how he can't wait for it to go back to just being the two of them and that he's doing this for her so that they'll have a a place together when this is over. Like if if that had been a constant kind of thread, Mm -hmm. I think this fight would have made more sense. Or like what what does he want? Like what does he want out of this fight? Does he want her to say, yeah, I give up. Let's go. The Darkling can just hunt us for the rest of our days. Like, what is he looking for her? I think he wants her to tell him that he is as important to as to her as Ravka is, as the people of Ravka are. But from my perspective, they're one and the same, right? Because yeah. protecting Ravka yeah. and saving the people is saving Mal. Yeah, like what like what I said, if they weren't doing this, the the Darkling would just be hunting them. Right. Uh, so it, just, it doesn't make sense. Maybe that's what he wanted her to say, that she's doing this for them. That's kind of that would make her kind of a shitty person. Uh, yeah it's it's a whole thing um and then we go back to beiju yes i do love that despite his ptsd episode kaz still got the info they needed you know he still like examined the scene did his sherlock holmes thing perfect yep and he has deduced that oval herself is the disciple Mm mm-hmm and that she must have the blade here at her home. Dun, dun, dun. So he gives everybody their assignments, including putting Zoya and Nina together. Love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. If we do, no, but we wouldn't. Ugh, never mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, then we get a, a very small scene at Hellgate. Pekka <sighs> arrives. I fucking hate this scene so much. I hate everything about this scene. It drives me like, <clears throat> this is probably what okay. I hate the most in this whole season. Okay. Um, I mean, I hate it from the perspective that Peck is an asshole. But uh, in this season, Matthias's roommate, who we have kind of come to, I would say I'm not emotionally invested in him, but I like him as a person, right? He's been kind to Matthias and everything. Yeah. And as soon as he sees Pekka, he pretends to welcome him and then like just goes in swinging because his brother died because of Pekka, which kind of seems like a trend now. And unfortunately, he does not win the fight. I don't understand. Like a lot of people in that prison seem to have something against Pekka. Why wouldn't they have all just gotten in on that and killed him? Like, yeah, Pekka can win in a one on one fight. But if it was all of them, because. They were more interested in holding Matthias back. That's fucking stupid. Everything about this um, is stupid. If Pekka Rollins ever walked into Hellgate and the prisoners could do whatever they wanted to him, he would not survive. Right. And also, he's like 
if they were going to put in the whole plot of them beating Pekka Rollins into the season, why is he suddenly not beat? Why is he still winning? You know, just from a different oh, place. Yeah. I hate that so much. I, I cannot put into words how much I hate that that Kez didn't get his victory. They took it away from him. Oh, I didn't even look at it that way. But yeah, I can see how that would. Absolutely. I don't understand how somebody who has literally just arrived at this prison can be so confident and be like, work for me. I will get you whatever you want. Like, what the fuck? You don't know the system. You don't know anything. Well, on earth. Okay. Like the fact that they give him the opportunity to say that, I don't understand. But him knowing that does make sense. He ran the fights. he's He's got people like he ran all the guards you know he already had something on most of them that makes sense to me so i would honestly think that that means the guards would have been the first ones to line up and go after him yeah another good point i when this scene started i genuinely thought we were just going to see everybody kill him and i was like that i'm fine with but no he takes over That's yeah fucking oh the anger that i have about that but of course they had to set up what they were going to do in the final episode so Sure. And like maybe they want to have uh, Pekka involved in the Six of Crows spinoff so that that like, you know, Kaz's ultimate revenge is still coming or I don't know, whatever. But then why? Why have why have the whole fucking plot with him in this season? The, yeah, this is maddening to me. It's <clears throat> sorry. I, I hate this. I can't tell. <laughs> I think that we go back to Baker and Alina. We do. And this is once again, Bagger pushing Alina to face herself. Um, again, being a very good teacher. When she, she is. was like a really shitty teacher in season one. But this season, she seems to have turned a new leaf about not hitting people. <laughs> and I, you know, maybe it was losing her finger. And after hundreds of years, she's like, maybe I'm going to stop being violent. Yeah. Which considering what we learn <laughs> later is kind of funny. Anyway, um, Alina is upset legitimately because Kerrigan's the one who told her that she was meant for more. He's the one who found her and told her she was a Grisha and, you know, taught her slash gave her her power. And and so she's really struggling with this. And Bagra just like talks her down off that ledge and is like, you were a Grisha with or without him. Yeah. You know, this this would have happened one way or the other. And then offers to help her find the Firebird. And she says that they're going to go check out Moritzova's workshop, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah, I was like, well, how the fuck does she know where that is? So I guess we'll find out next week. Then we have a quick scene with Alina and Nikolai. And I like this. I just, I like it when these two have a scene together. They have so much chemistry. The way he looks at her here. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And she gives back the ring. <sighs> he gives her his compass. I like the compass thing. I feel fairly, I don't, I don't quite remember, but I'm pretty sure in the book she keeps the ring. Because mm-hmm. there's a conversation about it later. Hmm. I don't, I, I'm well, not a hundred percent on that though. I mean, I'm pretty sure she gets it back. So. Oh, right. But that didn't <laughs> happen in the books. Oh. Interesting. Uh, that whole last, like the whole epilogue bits, that's all fucking yeah. made up. Oh, okay. I mean, okay. it's a story. All of it's made up. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, And then we have another, I love it when you quote me moment. Yeah. Which is adorable. 
they they just they're so good at being flirty and sarcastic with each other. Mm-hmm. I guess you can't really build an entire relationship off that. But I mean, it's a great way to start. Yeah, it's not just that. I love and I said this earlier. Like, I think they have only allowed each other to truly see each other. Like Alina has hidden large parts of herself from Mal. Like that's part of why Mal was so upset because Mal didn't know about her connection to right. Kerrigan because she didn't tell him. Um, you know, and so she's she's been vulnerable with him and he's been vulnerable with her. And it's not just flirty sarcasm. It's true. It's true. Um, and then we get the most serial killy, uh, killery, not killy, serial killery line in the entire show so far okay um we cut back to kerrigan right who is now on board with uh crazy tide makers plans to focus on taking down first army she asks what about your son summoner and he says the whole world will hear it when i make her scream yeah that'll be a fun time yeah that's that's dark like that's darker than what we've seen so far it's a little bit like Hannibal lecter if Hannibal Lecter ever actually had a temper. I was going to make a joke about how it's dark in the fold, but <laughs> but it just wasn't I mean, quite there, you know? That's that, that's fair. Um, And then we have Nikolai sending his mom away. Oh, I didn't even write that part down. Oh, see, I love this bit because it's really, it really shows how it's the young people just saying fuck you to the old ways and the old people. Yeah. He loves her and he wants her to be safe, but she did some bad shit and she shouldn't be there. I I really like that whole conversation with them because it's very much like, look, you're my mom and I love you, but also go away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's before the whole giving back of the ring. Was it? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. See, I didn't write that down at all. So I didn't write down anything about the conversation between Crazy Tidemaker and Kierkegaard. So whatever. I think we're back to the crow. We are. We end the episode with the crows. They have arrived at the disciples' house, and somehow Jesper picks now to talk to Wyland about what's going on with them, too. So good, right? And, like, Jesper is legitimately trying to compliment Wyland and be like, I really do think you're one of the smartest people that I know. And Wyland's like, no, dude, you're fucking patronizing me. He is, though, patronizing him. Like, not on purpose. But he is trying he's, he's not, but he's not humoring him, right? Like he's not saying this stuff because he thinks Wyla needs to hear it. He's saying it because he believes it. Sure. And so for me, that's not patronizing. Uh, I don't know. It's, it just feels very like, oh, you have a disability, but that's okay because I like, because you're so good in spite of that. When really it should be more like, I don't, he's just coming at it the wrong way, I think. Mm, okay. Well, Wyland clearly believes that that he's coming out of the wrong way. Like he calls him out on it and yeah. then um, also calls Jesper out on hiding that he's a Grisha mm-hmm. because Wyland is observant and has eyes and has seen Jesper use his powers. Yes. You know why or didn't fix itself. Yeah. I'm surprised that Jesper was surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Then we find out that Oval knew Nina was following her and gives her a sound ass kicking. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Um, Not that I like Nina being hurt. I just mean I love women being badass. So Yeah. I mean, and to be fair, Kaz did say if 
if she starts going home, distract her. So, I mean, I feel like this was a bit of a distraction. That's true, but I think they needed to distract her a little more. Yeah, yeah. Um, the crows break into the house and they get locked into the foyer and poison gas starts coming out to kill them. And yeah, and it's immediately clear that everything was made by a durist because even like the screens with the art printed on them are impenetrable with a knife. They can't get out. Yeah. Um, Wylan is not in there, but the rest of the other four or five are. Yeah, Wylan's outside having a grand old time. Just building a bomb. Building a bomb. And then, you know, playing with the butterflies. But that's not till next week. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we, we cut to black, basically, as the crows are starting to pass out and hallucinate from the gas. I genuinely thought we were just going right into all the hallucinations. I was shocked when the credits came up. It's going to be a great way to start next week. Yeah, I guess. So that is it for this episode. Do you have an MVP? I have two. Okay. If that's okay. I one's a serious one and one's a less serious oh, one. Okay. Okay. Which one do you want first? I guess serious first because mine is not serious. My serious one is David. Oh, yeah. Um, just because of how he sees Jenya and how he tells her how he sees her. Love it. Love it so much. I can't even properly describe how much I love it. Mm -hmm. um, my silly one is all of the food that brings Tolia and Nina together. Mine was flaming waffles. So, yeah. Flaming waffles. All the yep, food. That, that works. Yeah, all the food. Like, there's there's one scene where um, he hands her a walnut and she oh, starts yes. eating it. And she's yeah. like, oh, my. Yeah. Okay. I love also it. loved when she and, and Zoya were waiting for uh, the lady Oval. Oval? Oval. I did not write down her name once. Um, and, and she's just, and eating, she's just eating like meat on a stick or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so there. It's great. And Zoya's just like, no. Like, I had a memory that Zoya had said something to her, like, you shouldn't be eating that. But she didn't. She said, you shouldn't be with your Fjordan. Yeah, you should give up on your Fjordan. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, totally. Like, I I want to see more Nina and Tolia bonding. I didn't expect to love the two of them, but like together. Yeah. But yeah, no, same. They're great. I think that's it for this one. All right. So, um, oh, you know what? I did want to just quickly bring up that email that I screenshot and sent to you. There was an email that I was finally allowed to see. Yeah. It, that's it amazing. Doesn't happen very often. I know it's from it was from Celia and she basically just said a lot of nice things about us but she did also say and she is the last in basically every email that we've gotten since we brought this up to just say you should just go ahead and read Six of Crows with Mandy because we want that and so I think that is what we're gonna do <laughs> I think that's what we're gonna do too yeah um I'm gonna leave it up to you to tell me the order of books that we should read things in oh we're just gonna go in publication order so Okay. We'll finish the Shadow and Bone series and then do Six of Crows. But then there's another duology after that, right? The yes. Scar of Kings? King of Scars, yes. Um, King of Scars and something else. Uh, Rule of Wolves is the last one, which we might do. Like, we'll do them definitely if the show does not get renewed. But I was going to save them if it does get renewed because I assume mm, that that's okay. at least... I, there are things in this season 
that slightly imply that that's going to inspire season three. Got it. Okay. So there, there are eight books total? Seven. Seven. A trilogy oh, and two duologies. Two duologies. Okay. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. So you can tweet at us at EnterTheFoldPod or email us at EnterTheFoldPod at gmail.com. I'm Caitlin, and you can follow me on Twitter at InferiorCaitlin or Instagram at InferiorCateReads. And I am Mandy Kay, and you can find me on the Fediverse instead of Twitter. I am at Mandy Kay at Mastodon.social. And remember, yeah, I hate this hat. That was beautiful. <laughs> that delivery was nice. Yeah, that was pretty good. I'm impressed with myself, which is rare.